0: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk, They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers for the sexually immoral, for those practising homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me.
1: Well, good morning. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Uh, It's lovely to um, see a few familiar faces. Uh, you don't look a day older than I, when I first knew you 20 years ago. Um, I'll keep that secret, that's okay. How are you going uh, without a senior pastor? How, how are you feeling about this interim time, this time between the Munros finishing and whoever the new senior pastor might be when they're appointed and when they start? Uh, obviously the Munroes finished up before Christmas, um, some of you might be feeling uh, that sense of loss. You, know, you really appreciated the Munro's, their, their ministry, them as people, uh, and there's just that sense of sadness that they're not around at the moment. For some of you, you might be quietly sitting there feeling like, you know what, I, I do think it was time for a change. Others of you might be thinking, well you know what, we've been too narrow for too long and now this is our opportunity to talk about stuff that we want to talk about rather than being beaten over the head from up front by a Bible. Others of you, uh, you might have only been around for the last three weeks and you don't know what's going on, You know, this is all brand new to you. The time between senior ministers can produce uh, a whole range of emotions. Uh, It can be a time where things are a little bit uncertain. Uh, Where's the congregation headed? Uh, What are we on about? Um, So how are you going to handle it? And how does this passage today help us? Uh, Today and next week, we're going to work our way through this first chapter of 1 Timothy. And one Timothy's written at a time when the Apostle Paul has left Ephesus. He'd been there, he'd planted the church, and now he's gone away and he's left his young protégé Timothy in charge of the congregation. This strong apostolic leader is no longer there. And so what's going to happen with the congregation? And so Paul writes to Timothy and... As he's writing to Timothy, it's as if the congregation is eavesdropping on their conversation. So now, as your leader of the last 10 years has now gone, what's this passage going to say to us? So please have 1 Timothy open uh, and let me pray and ask that God would speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that your word is living and active because you are living and active. And so uh, whatever circumstances we've come from uh, this morning and this week, uh, please would you be speaking into our lives. Uh, please, yeah, may we know your voice uh, speaking where we're at uh, individually and as a congregation. Amen. When I drive home from work at the end of the day... Uh, I pull up at a major intersection uh, on Fullerton Road and there's a servo on the corner and, you know, it's like you're in peak hour, you, you pull up, the lights, traffic's queued back, people are bored, end of a day, and you see everybody reach for their phones and they're texting, they're, they're checking their social media. About once a week, just... Tucked away at the servo, there's a police officer. The lights go red, traffic backs up, people get bored, out come the phones, and the police officer wanders over, taps on the window, and the next person makes a donation of $368 to the state government. It's so tempting, isn't it? Uh, When you're driving... Uh, you hear the phone buzz, and you think, "Oh, you know what 's happened to the kids? Something 's gone wrong. Uh, what does the boss want uh, oh yes that 's right it 's the third reminder to bring home the milk and what 's the danger we We just get so distracted don 't we it 's so easy to say ah oh, you know no one's i 'll just check." We get so distracted. Do, do you know, it is so dangerous. The stats show that if you take your eyes off the road for just two seconds, one, two, your chance of having an accident goes up by 32%. So it's a whole third, and suddenly you're more likely to have an accident. It's the danger of distract, distraction. And when you're distracted... And you're distracted when driving, things go wrong and people get hurt, don't they? As Paul writes to Timothy, he says the congregation is in danger of distraction. And when the congregation is distracted, things go wrong and people get hurt. The distraction in this case is coming from people within the congregation at Ephesus who are promoting false teaching. Have a look there at... 1 Timothy 1, verse 3, please. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. You get the same idea in verse uh, 6. Some have departed from uh, from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. See, there are people within the congregation who are wanting to teach others, but Paul says they don't know what they're on about. They're rabbiting on, they're but what they're teaching is is false. It's wrong. Uh, these false teachers are taking the Old Testament and misusing it. They're mishandling it. Uh, when you look through verses eight to ten it looks like a description of the second half of the Ten Commandments. And Paul's trying to correct the way they're using that. Uh, So these false teachers don't know what they're talking about. They're mishandling the Old Testament. And the result is, verse 4, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. False teaching results in the congregation getting distracted. They get caught in speculation. They're they're salivating over controversial issues. False teaching is a distraction. And when the congregation gets distracted, things go wrong and people get hurt. People can twist the Bible for all sorts of agendas. I've, I've heard the Bible twisted to justify domestic violence. I've heard the Bible twisted to justify not reporting child abuse. I wonder what it would be for you guys as a congregation. How do you think the Bible might be twisted for somebody's own agenda? Is it like here in in 1 Timothy, uh, the use of the Old Testament law, Uh, what Christians should or shouldn't be doing according to what's said in the Old Testament? Or is it more around issues surrounding the the return of Jesus, uh, the circumstances of him coming back, when that will happen and how that will happen? Uh, Would it be the way we experience the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Would it be... You know, using the Bible to justify whether you should or shouldn't use illustrations in your sermons. The Bible can be twisted for all sorts of agendas. What do you think it would be, would, the distraction would be, the theological distraction would be for this congregation? False teaching results in the congregation getting distracted. And when people get distracted, things go wrong and people get hurt. But that raises the question, how do you know what is false teaching? If we're going to avoid the distraction, uh, how do you know what to look for? Well, fortunately, we're given a benchmark here, a plumb line, so that we can know what is false teaching. Uh, And Paul uses two contrasts to help us understand that. The first contrast comes halfway through verse 10. Whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. The benchmark is sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel. The benchmark is sound doctrine, which conforms to the gospel. The idea of sound doctrine there is that it is healthy or health-producing. It's like like an orange tree. An orange tree that's healthy produces healthy fruit. Big, juicy, sweet oranges that you just want to sink your teeth into. That's what sound doctrine is. It is healthy. It is health-producing. False doctrine produces distraction and people get hurt. Sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, is health-producing. The second contrast uh, is in the second half of verse 4, which we looked at before. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. So the contrast is between the distraction of speculation, and that which advances God's work, or literally God's plan. Have you ever watched TV show Grand Designs? Uh, one of those other sorts of shows. Uh, you know, the owner wants to do this amazing renovation, and as the show unfolds, you know, you're getting into the renovation. The owner uh, gets to that point where they think, "Oh, actually." let 's just get rid of that wall, and that door that was there uh, we 're going to move that over there and after that 's happened for about the third or fourth time the the architect and the, and the builder they 're tearing their hair out aren 't they? I can see a few nods maybe you 're that sort of owner. is that right see so what what happens is that they they take a plan a, a a well-thought-out plan, and they fiddle with it and distort it, and it's no longer what it's meant to be. Paul says here the contrast is between the distortion that comes with speculations and God's well-thought-out designed plan. It's God's plan that stretches from one end of eternity to the other. It's God's plan of, of creation, God's plan of dealing with humanity's rebellion against him and the mess that we've made of this world. It's the centrality of Jesus and his death and resurrection. It's God gathering a people to himself that we would enjoy him forever, that one day God would set everything right. It's God's plan from one end of creation eternity to the other, of creation Redemption, new creation. How do we know what false teaching is? Well, we're given a plumb line. We're given a standard. It is the healthy, health-producing doctrine that conforms to the gospel. It is God's plan from all eternity. Creation, salvation, new creation. But Paul doesn't just want Timothy to know the difference between what's true and false. He wants Timothy to be able to do something with this. He wants the congregation to be able to do something with it. Have a look there at verse 5, please. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The goal of healthy health-producing doctrine is love. The goal of sticking to God's plan is to produce a loving congregation. False teaching produces speculation, distraction, and when the congregation is distracted, people get hurt. But healthy doctrine, sticking to God's plan, produces love amongst the congregation. Now, I want you to notice here the way truth and love go together. Uh, it's clear that Paul wants Timothy to teach what is true and to oppose what is false. Uh, it's certainly not the case that you can just believe whatever you like, you know, turn up and you know, anything goes. But it's also clear that the goal of a healthy Health-producing doctrine is love. So people would look at the congregation and say, look how they love one another. You know, the great trademark of God's people. That's meant to be ours by copyright. Truth and love go together. It's not an either-or, it is a both-and. Truth and love go together, both in this passage, but right across the New Testament. And that's important for us to hear, um, because just by personality, by background, by life experience, uh, each of us can tend to gravitate to one end of the spectrum or the other, can't we? Uh, some of you might more readily gravitate towards the truth end. You know you think, listen, it's either right or it's wrong. Uh, what you're saying is rubbish. Let me give you three good reasons why what I'm saying is true. Or maybe you're the sort of person who's more down the love end. Let me just give you a hug. Yeah, you know, Let me make you a cup of tea. I'll bring around the casserole. We all sit somewhere on the spectrum, don't we? If you're more down the truth end then you might need to hear that truth without love is just cold and hard. If you're more down the love end, then you might need to hear that love without truth is just flimsy and shallow. Truth and love always go together. So what have we seen? False teaching results in distraction. And when the congregation is distracted, things go wrong and people get hurt. We know what the false teaching is because we're given a benchmark, we're given a standard, healthy, health-producing doctrine that conforms to the gospel. God's plan that stretches from one end of eternity to the other. And the goal of sound doctrine is a loving congregation because truth and love always go together. So what's this got to say during a time between senior pastors? As you wait for the new senior pastor to be appointed, uh, how is this part of 1 Timothy 1 going to help us? Well, This letter is directed to Timothy as a leader uh, with the congregation eavesdropping. So I particularly want to speak to leaders uh, with the rest of you listening in. Uh, Now, whether you're a home group leader, whether you're involved in a particular ministry or whether you exercise influence just because of the sort of person you are or because you've been around for a long time, uh, you might be leading without having the label. It uh, doesn't really matter. I want to speak to you with all of us eavesdropping. First thing I want to say, leaders, you need to help people stick to the plan and not get distracted. You need, people, you need to help people stick to the plan and not get distracted. Help people keep God's word central and not go chasing theological red herrings. Speculating about all sorts of weird and wonderful theories doesn't help people. Going off on some tangent or hobby horse isn't going to help people. It takes away time and energy from what's really important. Leaders, we're given a benchmark here. So if somebody wants to take their favourite hobby horse out for a ride around the block then you need to ask, is this going to produce health in the congregation? Is this going to be something that is good for us to invest time and energy in this sort of conversation? Does it line up with the scriptures? If you're a leader, you need to help people stick to the plan and not get distracted. Now, does that mean that there's no place for asking questions or having a different opinion on an issue? No, it doesn't. Uh, It's a sign of maturity and health that we're able to chew over an issue, to wrestle with what's being said. And there's a whole range of issues that Christians are able to have well-thought-out positions but land in slightly different places and still be in good fellowship with each other. Uh, That's a sign of maturity. But what we're not to do is to take what is at the edges, at the, at the real fringe, and put it in the centre. Speculation belongs at the edge. Because that's what it is, it's just speculation. Healthy, health-producing doctrine in line with the gospel belongs at the centre. If you're a leader, you need to help the congregation Stick to the plan, stick to God's plan, and not get distracted. Second thing to say. Leaders, during this time between senior ministers, help the congregation keep truth and love together. Help the congregation keep truth and love together. So, for example, uh, that might look like ensuring that your home groups have a good balance of truth and love going on. So ensuring that your home groups are opening God's word together and ensuring that your home groups are bearing each other's burdens, loving and caring for each other. Truth and love go together. And so the same thing about our kids and youth ministry, that we want that balance between our young people being taught God's word and them developing great friendships as truth and love go together. Or it might be, uh, another example could be the sort of events that you're running as a congregation, that there's a balance between uh, events where God's word is being opened and people are being trained and equipped, and those events where you just get to hang out together, eat, laugh, live life together. That as you look at the congregational diary, there's a balance between truth and love. Leaders, during this time between senior ministers, help the congregation keep truth and love together. My brothers and sisters, during this time between senior ministers, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. When a, congregate, when a congregation gets distracted, things go wrong and people get hurt and you don't want to go down that path. Instead, stick to the plan. The healthy, health-producing doctrine, God's plan from one end of eternity to the other that produces love in the congregation. As you stick to the plan... Love one another, because truth and love always belong together. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that you've always spoken into the lives of your people, that we would know how to live and act together in a way that honors you. And so I pray for my dear brothers and sisters here that you would strengthen them, uh, particularly at this time uh, between a senior pastor. Uh, Please, would you continue to be central and please help leaders uh, to keep you central for the health of the congregation. Amen.